now I invite Rosemary to unmute and to read from Galatians 3. Over to you, Rosemary. Okay. Galatians 3, 23 to 29, Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. And uh, uh, we welcome David. Thank you, David, for uh, what you're going to do, if you wouldn't mind unmuting. Uh, and uh, we hand over to you. Thank you very much, Steve, and good morning, everyone. Uh, it's lovely to be with you again. I wonder if you have a fear of the other. By that, I mean a sense that you don't like what is different, that you're fearful of the unknown, that you have a reluctance to engage with the unfamiliar. perhaps a rejection even of what is not part of our received wisdom. We have the knowledge and perhaps if it's outside of that, we don't want to know. Now, over the years, certainly, I think I've felt this. I think back to when I was 13 and I was on my first overseas trip on a student trip to Switzerland to ski. It was, I still seen the picture of me standing by the bus as I got on, full of anticipation. And of course I learned a lot as well as learning how to ski badly. But I remember I was on one of those ski lifts where there's two of you sitting side by side as you travel up the mountain. And I'd got separate separated from my school chums and the person sitting next to me spoke to me and he was German. Now you must remember that this was the 1960s and I'd been brought up on a diet of comics, great war stories and the enemies were always the Germans. My dad had been at Dunkirk and narrowly escaped with his life. This boy spoke to me and to my shame, I could not answer. How do I speak to a German? Then of course, I got a bit older and I was one of three boys at a boys grammar school. And suddenly coming into focus, were girls. Now, these young goddesses, what did they say and do and feel? How could I link with them? 
Oh, well, of course, I learned fairly rapidly to do so. Then in university, in my first week, a boy from a sort of northern town, Lincoln, with a northern accent, limited in my experiences, and suddenly I was surrounded by young men, of course, they were mostly young men in those days, who were full of all sorts of the experiences in their gap years and the things they'd done at school, rowing and lacrosse. What was that? And all sorts of things that I'd never heard of. And they spoke differently. It's now called received pronunciation or poshness. How did I fit in with that? Then again, 30, 40 years later, I'm chair of governors of a school in Bristol. And one of my governors appointed by the local authority, I met him outside the Wills Memorial building, just passing as I was going to get, I don't know, a cup of coffee, can't remember. He stopped me. Oh, glad to have seen you, he said. I want to know you to know I'm becoming a woman tomorrow. Transition to another gender, I had the maturity to reply sensibly, but there was turmoil inside. How did I relate to this difference? I wonder if you've got similar episodes in your life. In Galatians 3, Paul expounds the faith that we have as Christians. We're no longer under the law with Israel as the one favoured nation outside of which there is no truth, the chosen race. But now Christ has redeemed us from the law and we're all justified by faith. And what Paul says is the consequence of that is that we're all sons and daughters of God through that faith in Christ Jesus. We've been baptized with him and clothed with Christ, everyone. What does that mean when we're faced with the unfamiliar, either face to face or on the television or in the, what we read? Paul gives a very clear answer. And we must remember just not how radical he is today, but just how radical he was 2,000 years ago. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Now, all Jews considered themselves superior. They were children of God. You couldn't just join and become a Jew very easily. Even today, that's difficult. You are part of the chosen, inherited people of God. Whereas the Greeks knew they were the intellectual superiors, even the Romans learned Greek so they could understand art and philosophy. They were the elite of the world. And the Romans, of course, they were the rulers. They made the laws. And if you were a citizen of Rome, on special, you had special privileges. But this man who was a Roman citizen, who spoke Greek, and yet was a Jew, said, in Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither English or Scottish, neither Lever 
or Remainer, neither Russian nor Ukrainian. If you're in Christ, you're one of faith with that other, the person who is different, who has a different skin color, a different culture, a different way of speaking, a different sex or gender. Now, of course, you can still enjoy sport. You can still cheer for England or Wales at the rugby. And I'm sure that uh, in the Duke of Cambridge household, one cheers for Wales and one for England when they watch the England-Wales rugby match. You can still cheer for England, if that's your idea of, of joy, or for your team. And yes, I have a football team like many men. I am a football fan. But after the match, on the terraces, you are friends with people of the other, supporting the other team. And you can have a drink in the bar, as they say afterwards, and when you've enjoyed the good game. All of this is especially difficult because if there is no nationality to divide us as Christians, then it's especially hard in wars when there are Christians on both sides. We all remember, perhaps remember that and not other terrible horrors in World War I, where the singing of Silent Night on Christmas Eve led to what was nearly a peaceful reconciliation in the trenches of the World War I. Today we have Orthodox Christian churches. Have you noticed on television when in Moscow or Kyiv, the pictures of the cities show the Russian Orthodox churches? And that division between Russian Orthodox and Ukrainian Orthodox, I discovered only this week, is very recent. The Ukrainian Orthodox used to look to the Patriarch of Moscow as their Archbishop of Canterbury until they split in 2015 after Russia's annexion of Crimea. And the Russian Patriarch is a Putin friend and a Putin defender against his former flock in Ukraine. That is tremendously sad. But there is neither Russian Orthodox or Ukrainian Orthodox. We are one. They are one in Christ. Paul goes on, he says, not only is there no children free, there's neither slave nor free. And those of us who know our Bibles will remember that lovely little letter to Philemon where Paul takes that further and pleads with a Christian slave owner to accept his escaped slave back as a brother. That's radical. And it's even radical 2,000 years later that we still have modern slavery, the exportation of the weak and vulnerable in society. Paul gives us, Christ gives us a radical message of equality. We are all sons and daughters of Christ. We all belong to Christ. Uh, and that is verse 29, which I should have made sure we had read. Verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
if we are equally valued by God, then it's quite clear that we must equally value not only each other in Redland, but each other Christian. There is neither slave nor free, and particularly in this crisis of P&O, neither employer or employee, neither the well-off or those in poverty. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And thirdly, Paul says, there's neither male nor female. Is this the most radical of all? In one sense, the early church recognised the ministry of women, the prophetess Priscilla, for example, but only today have we the real joy and ministry of women, which is so important to us. But I think the words are more than just equality between the sexes. It's a message that in Christ there is neither male or female. And in Matthew 22, our Lord makes it clear that there's no marriage in heaven. No procreation will be like angels. There's no singleness, no gender issues, no change of gender in heaven. We are all one in Christ Jesus, one before God. What does it mean now when we meet Christians who consider themselves of a different gender? to their biological sex. Those of us who attended sessions in the Living in Love and Faith, for me it was at least an acceptance of the reality of the difference, even when I cannot understand the other. Of course, these verses in Galatians are written to Christians. Christians who have chosen faith. They're no longer prisoners of sin. They're part of the family of Christ. But it must also be God's plan and wish for all people. For he desires everyone to be saved, says the Bible. So this radical agenda of equality is applicable to all peoples. Christians and non-Christians alike. How should we respond? First thing I think is that we must not fear or be undisturbed by the other, but rather we should welcome the different persons into the body of Christ. And we need to look out. Here we are as Redlanders before our Zoom screens, but we are part of a wider body of Christ. I have the privilege of being on Diocesan Synod, I'm on Bishop's Council, and I've learned so much about churches in the Diocese of Bristol, 250 of them. And there are mission churches, three, four mission churches that have been established and are growing in a new form of worship. They are one with us. Is it sad that we at Redland are not more diverse in the way we look when there are um, West Indian and African churches within a few miles of us? It's so important that we welcome the other in every way we can. 
because I have found, and I hope many of you have, and I know Joan will have, really been welcomed in the churches where they've been. I, the, the welcome I had in the church in Uganda was astonishing. The welcome I had, I could walk into a church when I went to live in New Zealand and I was immediately made welcome in the family of God. And as we saw last night, those of us who were there, we can rejoice in our partnerships and see how the Lord is working among other parts of the world. And secondly, we today can rejoice in the security of being in God's family. Yes, we can be proud of, say, your Welsh accent or your Scottish heritage or your French Huguenot ancestry. But whatever your accent, whatever your background, whatever your place in society, whether you're married or single, divorced, widowed, always alone, you are part and one in Christ Jesus. I'm reminded of the time when after some years in as a student in Cambridge, I went back to Lincoln and I was doing my usual holiday job to earn money. I was a milkman. I've always felt a, a link with milkmen ever since. And as I went with one of my customers and handed her her milk and spoke to her, she said to me, you're not one of us, are you, Duck? In those two years away in Cambridge, my voice had changed. There I was in the community where my family had their heritage, where I'd been brought up, and I was not one of us, are you, Duck? Oh, yes, I was. And in Christ, oh, yes, I am. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, we are. Amen. Amen.